So let's turn to the scriptures together, shall we? We'll go to the book of Romans, if you're following me in your Bible. I'm going to read a few verses. There's one verse that will be really the text, I suppose. Um, but I'm in chapter 13 of Romans. And toward the end of the chapter, I read this. And I'm using the King James translation, which I know makes some people very happy. It probably upsets a few others, but there you are. Verse 11 of chapter 13. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armour of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, or chambering and wantonness, or strife, nor envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil the lusts thereof. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I trust with all my heart uh, that the Holy Spirit will touch a live nerve in many hearts today. I, uh, I'm ne never seeking to produce a, a clever sermon. That's just not where I come from at all. Um, I recognise that un unless the Holy Spirit speaks, nothing will be said. My constant prayer is really, quite literally, that, that line of a, a verse of a hymn um, that I've quoted on numerous occasions over the years, but it's, it's, it's simply this, Speak, Lord, in the stillness, whilst I wait on thee. Hushed my heart to listen in expectancy. Speak, O blessed Master, in this hallowed hour, let me hear thy voice, Lord, feel thy touch of power. That's my personal prayer. And I can remember when I first heard those words and they just resonated in my heart and they have continued to do it down through many decades now. So here we are. And... Uh, uh, as this Western culture spirals um, into chaos, uh, most folk are too busy to consider the impending disaster. Uh, fact is, so many are so hopelessly preoccupied with themselves and uh, the readily available escapes from reality that, uh, that surround us in these days and again in this culture. But it's against that kind of background of, of apathy and indifference uh, that I want to focus my thoughts here before you this morning. Um, I want to talk about a topic that should be that should be of enormous concern to everyone professing to be Christian. It is the topic or the theme of 
spiritual shallowness that abounds on every hand around us. Um, never has there been a time, uh, I'm sure, when there's been uh, more Christian ministry available. And yet, at the same time, who can deny the shallowness and the appalling absence of uh, those who are locked in a personal pursuit of the knowledge of God. You will have noticed yourself, I'm sure, uh, how readily conversations among professing believers uh, centre around other subjects, subjects such as politics and sports events and movies and and children, some of these things are very legitimate, of course, and, and houses and, and work. There are others who uh, tend to focus in on the latest church gossip, um, or perhaps on subjects such as the Antichrist, the Tribulation, the Rapture, Christian music. If the group together are pastors, they're probably focusing their attention on their new building or the one they're planning or on the size of the congregation or the size of the offering. But, you know, show me someone who wants to talk about their hunger for God or the sacredness of the presence they enjoy when they're alone in his presence and you're showing me a, a, a very re rare person in these days. I believe I'm right. I invited you a moment ago to, to to agree with me if it was true. And I think I think who who in in honesty can can deny that this is so rampant. The title that I feel to give to this talk on this occasion is this: Sleepwalking Saints. You know, in a material world, uh, they tell us that uh, about th uh, 3.5 people actually engage in sleepwalking. But could it be that in the realm of professing Christian people, in our culture at least, it's more like 3.5 are the ones who are not sleeping? Um, some of you will remember how Keith Green uh, so clearly described this kind of situation. One of the verses he wrote went like this, My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard and my prayers are cold, and I know how I ought to be, alive to you and dead to me. You'll agree with me also, I'm sure, that sleep um, has features in common with death itself. It renders, uh, sleep renders us completely ignorant to uh, one's surroundings and uh, our, our, one's own state. Uh, and we're sort of lost in a world of unreality. It's this, it's this sort of dream version of Christianity 
uh, that requires or demands little more than a nod of approval to certain Christian doctrines and maybe the mouthing of a, a familiar prayer. Um, but uh, the life of so many is not significantly changed. Uh, and uh, the, the, the problem is that, that such experience of, of the Christian faith um, bears little resemblance to the dynamic Christianity of the New Testament. You know, where well, we find men and women who, who first gave their lives to God. You probably remember how Paul uses that expression in 2 Corinthians. They first gave themselves, their lives, to God. And they also gave the, of their substance. Do you remember how we read that none called what they possessed their own? Indicating the, 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 the sheer depth of the... Um, impact that the gospel and their response to the gospel, the work of the Spirit of God in their lives, was making to make such radical changes. Once again, we live in the context of such shallowness. You know, it's this is not new. Uh, we know as we look back into the Old Testament and to the story of Israel, this was the perennial trend perhaps summed up in one phrase that occurs back there when it says that everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. In other words, I'm saying that for so many people, they, they hear something of the message of the gospel, they make a degree of response to it, um, but it, 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 it seldom translates into that complete heart transformation that transformation that impacts our spirits and our souls and, and even our bodies. This came up in the conversation we were having yesterday with some men. Um, this, these sort of tri-parts, uh, features of, of, of who we are, my personhood, and how we, we can only know God truly in our spirits. But then... The, as the result of that life coming into our inward being, it begins to sort of percolate through our souls, through our emotions, through our intellect, through our minds and thoughts. It, 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 it changes us. It, there's a, true redemption takes place in our spirits, I understand that. But there's a sense in which our souls become redeemed because they're not functioning as they once did, or as they used to. And then even for our bodies, and Paul, Paul puts a sharp point on this, writing to the Romans, he's, he's talking about his physical body, these, these members of my body. He said they were once, and a better translation puts it this way, they were once weapons of unrighteousness, but now they're weapons of righteousness unto God. Such is the radical transformation brought about by the power of God through the gospel, by the Holy Spirit's ministry into the lives of men and women, and they become new creations. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, A double L. All things have become new. Amen. And in in this in this text that I've read to you in Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul is basically uh, informing his readers. He, he's gone through this enormously important uh, body of Christian truth and doctrine here, here, and he's reached a point in this letter where he. He's sort of, I don't know, he's sort of preparing to land this 747 of truth. And in this context, he's sort of winding it up with some very important and very moving statements. But this is just one of them when he says, you need to know what time it is, beloved. It's time to wake up out of your sleep. Uh, he said, time's short. Uh, we get every one of us are closer to the finish of our earthly lives and our earthly journey here, no matter how old or young we are, for that matter. And it's the, the word of the apostle, which I believe is the word of the Holy Spirit today, right now, here, as we're together, and we're talking and thinking about these things. And we're saying, well, what 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 time is it? I'll tell you. Paul says, I'll tell you what time it is. It's time that you woke up out of your sleepwalking and out of your sleep. It's getting late. It's getting very late for some of us. It's time to wake up to the realities of the call of God and the grace of God extended toward us. It's time for us to come to a fresh appreciation of the words that which are so familiar to so many of us, but we need to, uh, the Holy Spirit should refresh them to us and that our response to God should be refreshed. And it's not too late for us to begin to discover what God has always had in his heart for us to know, uh, to experience and to enjoy and to glorify him with while we still remain in this world there's a there's a phrase it comes to my mind right out of uh, Peter's epistle I, I, I can remember it was 1966 that's a long time ago before many of you were born um, but I heard this verse quoted I'd, I'd read it before I'd been raised on the Bible but when I heard th this and again it works so perfectly in the old King James Bible listen to these words as he is, so be ye. They're all two-letter words. And, and, and close to that statement, the apostle says this. He says that we're to be as he is in this world. This is a here and now thing. We, we, we can talk with great passion and excitement and anticipation about the future, so far as eternity is concerned. But there's that which God has for each and every one of us. He has it for you, my dear beloved, right now to enter into. And it's not too late, but it is getting late. And uh, it's time to wake up. Paul t takes this again in the book of Ephesians. Some of you will have remembered this as I'm saying this. But in Ephesians 5 and 14, he says, Awake thou that sleepest, and Christ shall give you Lies, and then he goes on to say, and stop walking like fools. I get what he's saying. To do anything other than waking up to the light of Christ and the gospel 
is amounts to being a fool. You know, yes, I know this that the the action of of um, of awaking to the things of God, to the true things of God, will be contested. Of, of course, it will. And uh, uh, it, 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 the call of God is contested at every stage in our lives. I mean, for example, uh, we think of, of our youth. Mine was a long time ago, but I know a bit about youth, and we've had children, grandchildren, now we've got great grandchildren, but the great grandchildren are not youths yet, or youths. But I know that in that period of life, everything's all about self, isn't it? You know, and we, we, we hear the Apostle talking about youthful lusts or youthful desires. And today we've got technology and uh, uh, we've got what I dare to describe as faith-destroying colleges and faith-destroying universities. Someone will have something to say about that. But I know so many people who've gone in as Christians and they've come out as atheists. But there you are. But the, the, the temptations and the contesting of the enemy against a person having faith in God and trusting God in a, in a complete sense. Of course, the same is certainly true and most certainly true in, in middle age. You know, this is that period in our lives. It's probably where many of you are who are listening to me. Uh, well, it's a period of busyness, and uh, there's a verse of scripture. It comes in uh, in in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 91, I think, verse six, where it says, "The destruction that lays waste at noon." There's a there's a certain kind of contesting and temptations that are common to midlife, when when you know. Um, there's so much going on, there's the, there's the careers developing, or perhaps it's quite well established by that point, and there's so much that's going on in, in terms of family, whether it's little children or whether you're dealing with teenagers or whatever it is, or even older children uh, whose, you know, uh, whose lives we carry concern for, for the rest of our days. Isn't that true? Just pausing there for a moment, just for a moment. Um, I just heard about someone this morning who had, uh, together, he and his wife had purchased a little dog and they had to drive quite a distance to get it. And then, uh, and then it turns out that there's a lot more going on with training a little puppy than they were bargaining for and so they took it back again to, uh, and so on. Um, but, uh, you know, think, thinking of having children, this, and, and our families, you know, we've seen a lot of children getting born around us. Um, and I know a bit about the joys, as well as the challenges uh, of having children. Um, but when we enter into it, everything's so wonderful, but, but it's a commitment for the entire journey of your life. I've got some other illustrations that go hand in hand with this that I can't take time to say. But the fact is, um, we'll worry about them for the rest of our lives, one way or another. And that's, that's a fact, certainly. And, and speaking about the rest of our lives, 
there are the, the challenges that we face in, in old age. I'm beginning to learn a bit about this. Pete, who some of you know, who is my colleague here, he knows more about it than I do. Um, but, you know, in, in our old age, spiritual, there's kind of like a spiritual rigor mortis that begins to set in, a resistance to, to change, whatever form it's coming in. And, and, and few in the old age have, have that passion remaining for Jesus. Uh, although I've met some who certainly uh, have and continue to have that. Uh, but it's too easy to sort of, you know, relax and kick out the lazy boy chair and lean back and turn the TV on or whatever you're doing and just drift to the finish, you know. The world of natural sleep uh, has, has what is referred to as a, you have a body clock. Not everyone pays a lot of attention to it, uh, but there's a sense in which you... And certainly my experience, I, I woke up at 20 past two this morning and I've been awake pretty well since then. Uh, that's not always that serious. Uh, but, you know, we can wake up at certain times. You get into a routine in life. Um, and, um, you know, or perhaps looking at it from a different point of view, there are circumstances that occurs in our lives that are quite shocking and we refer to them as a kind of a wake-up call. Uh, but these these factors don't apply spiritually. Uh, it's not so in the spiritual realm. Uh, in the spiritual realm, you don't naturally wake up. Uh, and we can even face really shocking, perhaps terrifying circumstances uh, that we may, humanly speaking, refer to as wake-up calls, and they may, they may have their role in that. But in the truest sense... Uh, nothing wakes us up that is part of our lives or circumstances. We have to be awakened and we have to be awakened by God. And here lies the great need uh, that, we're, that we're facing. Uh, it's that need to hear God speaking. You know... And I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, dynamic preachers or clever expositions of, of texts that, you know, when we leave the meeting we say, well, that was a good word and so on. And that kind of thing can leave people sort of better educated. And the, the assumption all too frequently is, well, we've heard the word of God. But, you know, and I hope you know something about this as you're listening to me. When he speaks, you know that he's spoken. I love Wesley's words. He said on one occasion, he speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. He wakes the dead. The word of God wakes the dead. Isn't that wonderful? The word of God um, it, it, it is, is living, it's quick and powerful, says the old King James. It's living, it's vital, um, uh, it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it penetrates deeply, even unto the dividing of soul and spirit. And uh, it's, like a, it's like a surgeon's scalpel. 
It's sharp. It's got the sharp cutting edge, that penetration factor to it. Uh, the Word of God never comes to us merely to educate our minds. The Word of God never comes to us uh, in just some sort of superficial way. Um, God never speaks to us to just entertain us. When God speaks, and someone will want to contest me on this, I'm sure, but when God speaks, it, it, he doesn't come you know, to, to just chat with us. You know, I'm sorry, this may seem inappropriate, but in England years ago, before we had cell phones, mobile phones, we had telephone kiosks, and there was one stage in history where someone decided to call those boxes uh, those telephone boxes, uh, chatter boxes, for obvious reasons. But let me tell you, I, I was told when I was a boy in school that I was a chatterbox. I, but, but let me tell you, God is not a chatterbox. He doesn't just talk for the sake of talking. When he speaks, He wakes you up inwardly. That's all I can say, I think. He, there's something about his speaking that shakes. He shakes everything that you thought you understood. Um, in Psalm, uh, sorry, Isaiah chapter 51 would be an appropriate chapter to look at, where basically God is, is speaking, he's, he's calling to Israel, and in that chapter he's saying, wake up. Uh, there are expressions, depending on which translation you're using, where, where you hear God saying, listen to me, listen to me. Again, uh, there's another phrase used where he, it, it, it translates, pay attention to me. It's time to pay attention to God. And, the, and again, the Apostle Paul's words from Ephesians I quoted before again are so appropriate where he says, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Amen. You know, in perhaps the greatest story Jesus ever told, uh, he speaks about an awakening. He speaks about a man awakening. And we think of him and remember him as the prodigal son. But you remember that phrase in the story that Jesus created himself. He just told the story. And every detail would be significant in it. But here's one detail where Jesus speaks about the, 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 the boy who's been so wayward and he squandered uh, everything in riotous living, uh, we're told. Uh, but then comes this moment as he's sitting there surrounded by the pigs and he was, old King James, he fain would have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. But he came to himself. He, there was an awakening. And in the revelation of the ways of God with men and women, we, we would say, well, today when that happens to a man or a woman, it's the Spirit of God awakening uh, something uh, deep within ourselves and for that young boy he was awakened to one primary fact I suggest to you and that was 
the, the identity of his father. He remembered who his father was. His father was a loving father and he'd wasted his father's substance in his riotous living. But he remembered his father. Jesus intended that we should understand what he was saying there. You know, you, you don't really know yourself until the word of God has come and light has come into your heart. And the Lord, in, in the same moment he reveals himself to us, he exposes ourselves to ourselves and we, we discover every one of us whatever our story has been and whether you think about it in these terms or not is not the important factor but but he, he reveals that I'm a fool I'm, I'm living in a, in, in a prison cell and uh, I wake up to the fact that I've got a loving father and he's got the door open for me and so on you know I said a few minutes ago that this waking or awakening experience uh, will be challenged well that is certainly true and I gave you a few illustrations but you know we will be challenged you will be challenged you are being challenged no doubt but defeat is not inevitable that's, that's the important thing and you know, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, I thought about youthfulness before, but it was a young man who, who wrote these words in his journal. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Or again, he wrote in his journal, starting with a part of a quotation of scripture, he makes his ministers a flame of fire. Then the young Jim Elliot went on to write, God deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things and pour upon me the oil of your spirit that I may be a flame. But a flame is transient and short-lived. Canst thou bear this, O my soul? short life in me dwelleth the spirit of the great short-lived make me thy fuel flame of god that was jim elliot he was a young man he was contested with the kind of things that young people are contested with but he, he was he refused to be defeated and he wrote things like that and god took him at his word as you will know or, or for a man in middle age, it was a middle-aged man who wrote and said, All things are lawful unto me, but I will not be mastered by anything. That's 1 Corinthians 6. And what about in old age? Well, the psalmist uh, writing claimed this in Psalm 92. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. Isn't that wonderful? Defeat is not inevitable, beloved. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that you're being awakened even now while you're listening to me, but really you're if it's true, you're listening to the Holy Spirit. 
Every call of God, every call of God demands a response from us. You know, God called out and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. You know that story. Uh, the call of God demanded a response. It demands that we take action when God speaks. And if you're sensing that God is touching that live nerve I referred to earlier, then, then in the name of Jesus, I beseech you, hear his word, embrace his word, respond to his word. You know, many, many ask, and I've had this asked of me very, very recently, you know, you know, my heart is quickened. I'm open to what I'm hearing. But but how, how do I do the next thing? You know, and I shared with this person I'm thinking about this fact. I said, you know, God has made it so simple, but we've made everything so complicated. And because of a, a superficial gospel uh, that's been adjusted so that it's seeker friendly. I know my message this morning is not seeker friendly. But it's been adjusted to be seeker-friendly, so we've reduced it to its lowest common denominator. And people sincerely attempt to respond to it, but they're not responding to the fullness of the gospel, which is in Christ Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, so that later on when they realise that they're frustrated, that this isn't working out, some people tend to think, well, it's never going to work for me, or they, others just give up. But the fact is, they've not understood and heard clearly the word of God as they need to hear it. The fact is, God has made it so simple that we need to come like little children and forget all your past efforts and your past failures and, and so much of the complex doctrine things that, that, that can stumble us at this point. We're just hearing God speak and we just need to just fall before him and yield ourselves to him. You know, there's a verse of scripture um, in the Old Testament. Let me read it to you. It's in the book of Ezekiel. If I can just put my finger on it very quickly. It's in chapter 2 uh, of Ezekiel. You'd never think of looking here, would you? For this but I read this and he said to me this is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel son of man stand upon thy feet and I will speak unto thee and the spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet and I heard him speak to me it sounds a bit complicated at first but it's not and then there's some more that follows that was Ezekiel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 um, but the thing is Something was in his heart. What was in his heart? It, it was something was in his heart because God had just spoken to him and said, "Stand on your feet." That truth, that challenge, that word of God was in his heart. And and, and it, all we do is inwardly we grab hold of it. Uh, if God has spoken something into being, grab hold of it with all your being and in that very moment 
we're not doing anything. There's nothing wrong with praying a great prayer of repentance and response to God. I'm not being foolish here. I'm simply bringing it down to the real essence of what goes on. You sense that God is speaking to you. You're a youth. You're in midlife. You're an older person today. You're old, maybe. But you sense God is arresting you. God is speaking inwardly, as though you've got inward arms. Get hold of that word. Paul talked about arresting, uh, embracing um, that which God had arrested him for. Inwardly, get hold of it. And in that very act of, of virtually saying yes to God or amen to his word, his spirit acts. That's what I read here in the Ezekiel passage. In that response, the spirit of God came and, and listen, and it says the spirit of God lifted him up. So he didn't have to stand up himself. After all, God had said, stand on your feet. He received the word of God. He got hold of it. And in that moment, the Spirit of God lifted him up and set him on his feet and then began to speak to him and tell him what he was to do. This is exactly what happens. Keep it very simple in your heart. If you hear God speak, believe it. Get hold of it. And in that, very, in that very moment, believe and, and recognize that the Spirit of God is quickening you and empowering you for the fulfillment of all that is his purpose that he's ordained for you to know and to experience. Let me just pray. Father, we commit Whatever of this has been the word of God for whoever it is that's listening, I pray, Father, that there will be a penetration of your word and, Lord, that you will wake up those inward parts of men and women today and quicken faith there in those precious hearts, Lord, to just believe you like a little child believing its parents won't drop them when they jump to them. Lord, do that, I pray thee, and start a refreshing, awakening work in many, many lives, Lord, for your praise and for your glory and for the joy and fulfilment and blessing that you bring into responsive hearts and lives. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, just before I close, can I just say this? And I know it's a bit out of keeping with what I've just been saying, but I have to say it at some point. I want you to know that in this strange setting where we're all so remote, uh, when people sort of subscribe, and it just means we're with you, brother. Uh, doesn't mean you have to give money or anything. You just say, I'm with you by clicking that subscribe button. And when people leave comments... Very In the earliest hours this morning, I read a number of them from a year ago that some of you had sent, and my heart was melted. And I so much appreciate it. So just so encouraging. And there's that sense that, although I don't see you all, or I'm not with you all, there's a sense that we're together here. And we're, as Wesley would put it, we're kindly helping each other on till we all receive that starry crown, as he put it. In one of his songs um, 
but we want we want to sense togetherness which is such an important part of the Christian experience and this is just one way in which we can do it rather than just hit and run let's cultivate this idea that we're in this together we really are <coughs> and um, and and there you are you know and uh, if you want to indicate or express your appreciation materially there's a provision made in the website uh, some of you are committed to other churches and you tithe there and that's fully understood but if you want to support Sheila and me and what we're doing you can do that but God bless you all and thank you from my heart Amen <laughs>